0: Welcome to the Flourish Podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode as we learn, grow, and flourish together as a community of women. Hi, this is Penny. Thanks for joining me today for our Flourish Podcast. I just wanted to mention for those who aren't familiar with what Flourish even is, we are the female arm of the Ministry of the Network of Related Pastors, NRP. And our heart is to be genuine friends to one another, to stand with each other, encourage one another in all aspects of life. And uh, that's what we endeavor to do. Each year we have uh, a conference for the women, which has been awesome. It's a great time of fellowship and encouragement and worship. Uh, Our next conferences will be In April of 2024, we're actually having one in the South this year at Pearl River, Louisiana from April 18th through the 20th. So you can mark your calendars for that. And in the North, in Crown Point, Indiana from April 25th through the 27th. So I will certainly look forward to seeing you all there. But I'm going to pick up where I left off. I had mentioned last time I have a great love for American history. I see God's hand all over it. I see his purpose and intentions completely all over our nation's founding. I see his heart and what he was attempting to do. And I had mentioned last time that in front of the National Archives Building that holds all of our uh, important documents, there's a statue that reads, the heritage of the past is the seed that brings forth the harvest of the future. Unfortunately, our young people are not taught much about our heritage whatsoever, and certainly not the type of things that we're talking about on this podcast, about God's influence and and the influence of the Word of God on the founding of our nation and on our principles and laws for very much of the history of our nation. It's only been in the fairly recent history that we've seen the decline and the rejection of those moral laws, those standards the things that the Bible laid out for us to live by as a nation. And it's very sad and disappointing, but I think it's vital, especially in this season we're living in now where we see such a decline and chaos really all around us that we remember and we go back to what the purpose of God was for us and is for us. So I'm going to pick up with talking about George Washington. And I believe there's been a revision of history in regard to George Washington, but history shows and documents show that he was a devout man of prayer and faith. In 1778, in a letter to a friend, he wrote, the hand of providence has been so conspicuous in all of this, meaning the war of independence, that he must be worse than an infidel that lacks faith and more wicked that has not gratitude to acknowledge his obligations. But it will be time enough for me to turn preacher when my present appointment ceases. In On June 1st, 1774, as the colonies were seeking God's will, whether they should break from England, he wrote in his diary, I went to the church and I fasted all day. And one story that I've always loved that I was just reading about again is the story of the French and Indian War when he was, at that point, a British officer. And he was stationed, actually, in a town called Ligonier, which Keith and I lived in for 17 years. And Fort Ligonier is still there, and they do reenactments there, but George Washington was there as a young officer. And I was just reading an article, and it said, for a century and a half until 1934... This battle that I'm going to talk to you about, the Battle of Monongahela in the French and Indian War, was standard in our history textbooks until it was removed, presumably by those skeptical or dismissive of God's intervention in the affairs of man. Today, few Americans know about it. But it was during the French and Indian War, and there were about 1,400 British troops that were marching to seize the French Fort Duquesne near Pittsburgh. Washington was 23 then, and he was a young officer. General Braddock was in charge of um, the troops at that point. Uh, They were using the standard European style of warfare, which is they marched in a straight line. And Washington had been saying, no, we need to be more creative and cautious in that. We need to hide and, and do warfare like the Indians do. So during the battle, as they were marching, the Indians had them surrounded, and they were targeting the officers, and Washington was riding back and forth, and the bullets were just flying. The musket balls were flying, and um, there was a three-hour ambush there where the Indians left 976 casualties. And they they kept looking at Washington and, and even targeting at him and saying, man, I expected him to fall at any moment but but he didn't. And it was like so miraculous that Washington was not killed that day because pretty much all of the officers were either shot or killed, wounded or killed. So 15 years later, when Washington was with a close friend and a, a physician, they were traveling through those same woods near the Ohio River. And they were met by an old Indian chief who addressed Washington through an interpreter. And he said, I am a chief and ruler over my tribes. My influence extends to the Great Lakes and the mountains. He said, I've traveled long and a weary path to see this young warrior of the great battle. And he talked about how during that battle 15 years ago, they aimed at all the officers and they had seen that Washington fought like an Indian and, and used great wisdom. And They had ordered for him to be shot and killed because they recognized that he was a good warrior. And then he said, we tried and tried to kill you. And our rifles were leveled and men that didn't know how to miss but shot really well said it was all in vain, a power mightier than we shielded you. One warrior said I had 17 shots at him With my rifle, and after all, I could not bring him to the ground. And it was said that he had several bullet holes in his jacket, and several horses were shot out from under him. And he said, I saw that you were under the special guardianship of the Great Spirit. And then we ceased firing at you. And he said, I have this prophecy for you. And he was speaking through an interpreter, and he said, I am old, and I'll be gathered with my father soon but something bids me to tell you this. He said, the great spirit protects this man and guides his destinies and he will become the chief of nations and a people yet unborn will hail him as the founder of a mighty empire. And I came to pay homage to the man who is a particular favorite of heaven and could never die in battle. Wow, that's, that's pretty awesome. And we know the tremendous influence that George Washington had on our country and on the founding of our country, both in the war and in his terms as president and all that he brought to the table during that time. I'm just going to read a few excerpts from George Washington's personal journals as well. One place he writes, Direct my thoughts, words, and work. Wash away my sins in the immaculate blood of the Lamb and purge my heart by the Holy Spirit. Increase my faith in the sweet promises of the gospel. Give me repentance from dead works. Pardon my wanderings and direct my thoughts unto thyself, the God of my salvation. Teach me how to live in fear, to labor in thy service and ever to run in the ways of thy commandments. Make me always watchful over my heart. Daily frame me more and more into the likeness of thy son, Jesus Christ, that living in thy fear and dying in thy favor, I may in thy appointed time attain the resurrection of the just unto eternal life. Well, wow, that's pretty cool. And that doesn't sound like a man who was not a Christian. That sounds like a man who had a deep faith in Christ and was very solidly Fixed on honoring God with his life. And we see the influence that he had in our foundation. Then we move further along in history and we see Abraham Lincoln, who was also a devout believer in God. There was someone who said to him, They hoped God was on the side of the Union. And he said, Excuse me, Sir, I am not at all concerned about that, for I know that the Lord is always on the side of right. But it is my constant anxiety and prayer that I and this nation should be on the Lord's side. Let us earnestly call and beseech him for Christ's sake to preside in our councils. So we see another very influential president that had an incredible impact on our nation talking about his reliance on God. The first Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, John Jay, said, Providence has given to our people the choice of their rulers, and it is the duty as well as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. John Quincy Adams, one of our presidents in 1837, said, The Declaration of Independence laid the cornerstone of human government on the precepts of Christianity. It seems it was common knowledge. It seems that people understood and did not have to have it explained to them that our Declaration of Independence, our laws, our constitution, our form of government was based on the precepts of Christianity and the precepts that are in the word of God. In a Supreme Court case in 1799, Kunkel versus Wine Miller, it was stated by our form of government, the Christian religion is the established religion, and all sects and denominations of Christians are placed on the same equal footing. Wow. You know, There was never an intention to have an established church in the United States. They obviously did not want to repeat what was happening in England, where the Church of England was the designated church for the country. But they esteemed Christianity as the general basis for the belief system that the nation was founded on. In a Supreme Court case in 1892, we're looking at 100 years later, The Church of Holy Trinity versus the United States. It was stated, no purpose of action against religion can be imputed to any legislation, state or national, because this is a religious people. This is a Christian nation. Our laws and our institutions must necessarily be based upon and embody the teachings of the Redeemer of mankind. Wow. I mean, that's pretty strong language. It is impossible that it should be otherwise. In this sense, and to this extent, our civilization and our institutions are emphatically Christian. So that's pretty clear. And that's pretty straightforward. And it, again, is so sad to me that this has been erased from our history. It has been erased from our understanding. Our heritage has been stolen. We've been lied to. It has been horrifically misrepresented by modern-day individuals over the last probably 50, 75 years who have decided that this is not the way they want to go anymore. Now, in this particular case, in the Church of the Holy Trinity versus the United States, they cited 87 precedents to show that this is a Christian nation, including many quotes from our founding fathers. I was reading, I looked this case up, and I read through the whole case, and I saw all the precedents that they cited. I actually have emailed it to myself to keep as a record if anyone is interested in that. In a House Judiciary Committee report dated March 27, 1854, it was stated, had the people, including the founding fathers, during the Revolution— a suspicion of any attempt to war against Christianity, that revolution would have been strangled in its cradle at the time. In this age, there is no substitute for Christianity. That was the religion of the founders of the Republic, and they expected it to remain the religion of their descendants. Two months, months later, they stated again, the great, vital, and conservative element in our system is the belief of our people in the pure doctrines and divine truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wow. If only there were, and I'm sure there are some, probably private schools that are teaching these things to our young people. If we could have a revolution and a revelation of the heart of of why God even raised up this nation and why we've been so blessed. If we could understand that this is the foundation that that we were created upon. I'm going to go on in the next podcast, I'm going to finish up here, but to share some of the things that have happened since the 1950s and 1960s that have eroded all of this. But I'm going to finish up with a few more things that are important for us to understand. Even Dwight Eisenhower said, basic to our democratic civilizations are the principles and convictions that have bound us together as a nation. Among these are personal liberty, human rights, and the dignity of man. All these have their roots in a deeply held religious faith in a belief in God. Hmm. On the tip, of the Washington Monument in DC. It says, Laos Dio, which means praise be to God. On our coin, it says, in God we trust. On our Pledge of Allegiance, it says we are one nation under God. In our inaugural oath, when we swear people in, we say, so help me God. These were not accidents. These were done, these court decisions, the thing on our coins. Um, I read a book called God's Signature Over Our Nation's Capital, and it lists so many of the artifacts and the statues and the paintings that are the engravings that are all over Washington, D.C., that depict the fact that we are based on Christianity. And it's very, very sad to me that that has been taken away and that people have been deceived about all of that. So in our last podcast on this topic, we're going to pick up in nineteen in the 1960s when things began to really deteriorate and change radically based on some Supreme Court rulings. But I just wanted to share just a, a minute Portion of all the foundational words and precepts and ideals and belief systems that led to the blessing that we have lived under so many years as a nation. Unfortunately, again, we're seeing that erode in a major way. And obviously, the blessing has lifted in so many areas, because of the change in our belief system and the change in what we've done, like in a practical manner. So I'm not giving up. I believe that there's still hope and that there could be a turn and um, just a whole restoration of what God has intended for us. I'm I'm not giving up on that. But I wanted to bring some of these things to our attention and bring them to mind so that we can – realize and keep that before us that this is God's heart. This was the plan. This was what he intended. And he specifically used so many individuals that believed this way, or we wouldn't even have the nation that we have. Our whole independence and and sovereignty as a nation, as our own entity as a nation, It's because of those individuals and what they believed and why they believed it. So please keep these things in mind. And as you pray, just remember that there was a distinct call. There is a distinct call on us as a people, as a nation. And we desperately desire God's favor and restoration and forgiveness and mercy Jeremiah, chapter 18, verses 7 through 10 say, At one moment I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom to uproot, to pull down, or to destroy it. If that nation against which I have spoken turns from its evil, I will relent concerning the calamity I planned to bring on it. Or at another moment I might speak concerning a nation or concerning a kingdom To build up or to plant it. If it does evil in my sight by not obeying my voice, then I will think better of the good with which I had promised to bless it. Wow. That's a profound verse that we need to keep in mind and that we need to pray that somehow, some way, this nation would repent and turn from its evil. And he says here, I will relent concerning the calamity that I planned to bring on it. Wow, God, we need you. So, Father, we just close by saying, help us. We know how desperately we need mercy, God, as a nation, and how much we have sinned and turned our back on you. But we ask, God, that you would do, even as this verse declares, that we would turn and that you would relent concerning the calamity that perhaps you plan to bring on us and that is already in progress. Forgive us, God, cause us to turn so that we might again live under your smile and under your blessing as a nation. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thanks again for joining me and we'll have one more um, podcast in this series. And uh, love you all. Hope to see you sometime soon. Thanks for listening to the Flourish podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode and share it with your friends. For more information about Flourish, our annual conference, or to join our community of women, visit nrpflourish.com. See you next time.